I really think that we need to stop teaching people and we need to start inspiring them. We have to err on the side of sharing vision with people and creating a vision for them. I threw out this idea that I had to be really good at teaching them how to sell. And I focused on the idea that I had to teach them how to be happy, more confident, more effective people. And if I could do that, then the results would follow. We didn't build a business, we built people and people built the business. And it won us at the Silver Cup this year and it's going to continue paying dividends into the future. The voice you just heard is Austin Oberbillig, Cutco Vector's champion district manager for 2022. Austin's life has been transformed through the Vector opportunity, and this has inspired him to become the spark for personal transformation in others on his team now. Over the past few years, Austin has created a talent hotbed in Bellevue, Washington, that has turned out top achievers in both the branch manager and Cutco sales professional ranks. By focusing on building up people, Austin has built a Silver Cup organization. He serves as the assistant division manager for the Washington, Alaska division, and his impact is also felt throughout the Western region and the entire company. This conversation is a clinic on building something great by developing great individuals, one person at a time. I'm proud to share with you today the experiences and insights of Austin Oberbillig. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everyone. I am super excited today to be able to have Austin Oberbillig featured on the podcast. Austin has been in the Cutco Vector business since July of 2014. Within one year, he advanced to become the division office manager in the Washington, Alaska division. He started in Olympia, Washington. He held the position of division office manager, working very closely with Ryan Casey for about two years. And then Austin advanced to become a district manager in 2017. Uh, he has been a pillar district manager in the Western region over the last few years. He's produced over $5 million in business, promoted eight managers in the Washington, Alaska division. And in 2022, Austin was the Silver Cup winner in the district team competition, which many can argue as the most prestigious competition among our district manager ranks. It has been won in recent years by such luminaries as Damian Skop and Mike Abramowitz, two of the all-time greats. Austin and his district team produced over $1.46 million in sales pending the final tabs that will come out here soon. And very notably, well over $1 million of the sales generated in Austin's district this year was homegrown business, meaning it was from reps that Austin recruited and trained in his Bellevue, Washington district team. Austin is now also the ADVM or assistant division manager for the Washington, Alaska division, working closely with Chris Gehring in that capacity. Austin, congratulations on an amazing 2022 and welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you very much. I'm excited to uh, to cross this off the dreams list for a while. So 
<laughs> nice. I hear that once in a while from people that uh, part of their goals is uh, get featured on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. So here we are. Indeed. Well-earned. Well-earned. Austin, take us back to 2014. Tell us a little bit about how you guys started selling Cutco. Yeah. So I heard about the, the job through a letter in the mail. And I remember receiving the letter and opening it and just reading through it and uh, didn't initially find any interest in it. So I crumpled it up and threw it on my uh, my mom's kitchen table and didn't touch it for a month <laughs> uh, until my mom uh, basically held it out and said, hey, you're going to call these people. And, uh, and I did. And then went in for an interview. Was initially skeptical, but they cut a penny in half. And I realized at that moment that I probably need to, uh, to check this out. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to get a position and uh, showed up to, uh, to training a couple of days later. Outstanding. And this was Olympia, yeah. Washington. Your original manager was uh, Kristen Hoffman. Is that right? Yes. My original DM was Kristen Hoffman. Yeah. In July of 2014. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. And uh, tell us about some of the early experiences that stand out most. We pretty much dove in right away with the interesting experiences as one does with with a position like this. But I went through training, uh, you know, back then it was three days. And I started my first day and went and did a demo for my mom. She was my first appointment in the backyard. So we sat at the table, not in the kitchen. So I was immediately, you know, not following uh, the the program doing it with, you know, in the kitchen and doing it where a, a Cutco demo should happen. But I ended up going three for three on my first day. You know, I had three appointments, had three sales, and I felt like I was going to be really incredible at this position. And I thought that maybe, you know, within a week or two, I should probably be running training myself. But the remainder of that weekend, uh, I went and did eight more appointments and uh, I had no sales on all of them, all eight. And uh, it was a bummer back then because I drove a car with very bad gas mileage. So I got to the end of the weekend and I had decided at that night, full out, this was not the position for me. There was no way I was going to be able to put up with this amount of rejection on a, on a multi, multi-day basis. Um, I didn't want to drive around. I didn't want to deal with customers. And so I sort of planned out the conversation in my head that I was going to have with my manager, Kristen, at the time. And uh, I went in the next day to have this conversation with her. And uh, I assumed it would go exactly the way that I planned it out in my head, which uh, it did not, needless to say. So when I went in and spoke to Kristen, I, I basically let her know, I, I can't do this position anymore. This is just not the right not the right position for me. And she basically looked at me and she said, so let me get this straight. 11 demos this weekend, you sold on your first three. Is that the best that you can do? And in that moment, I sort of, uh, the, the competitive juices, you know, started welling up in me and I decided that no, that was not the best I could do. <laughs> and so I made a commitment at that moment, complete 180 to, uh, to stay around one more week and, uh, finishes the top rep in that class. And then I would move on just to really stick it to, uh, stick it to Kristen and stick it to, uh, whoever <laughs> the man. <laughs> so that was kind of my, that was my first four, four days on the job. And then, uh, my first full day after that commitment. Sold a homemaker on my first demo, got really amped, really juiced, did eight demos that week, sold on all eight, uh, and finished my fast start. I got about a $500 paycheck at the end of that week. And my biggest check ever at my previous job was, was uh, significantly less than that after working overtime and, and, and missing Thanksgiving dinner uh, at the time. And so I realized I can make great money here. I don't have to skip holidays anymore, which is important for me because I like food. And, uh, and, and yeah, it was sort of off to the races that summer after that. So nice, nice. And your job before this was at Safeway, right? Is that what I remember? I was a bagger and then I was a checker. Yeah. Ooh. So, Ooh, that's a, that's yeah. a positive, positive advancement <laughs> opportunities there, man. It is indeed. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, when did you meet Casey and the, the rest of the team there in Washington? That was fortuitous. So after my first week, I basically, uh, I didn't quite qualify for one of the meetings that they were running called a sales and leadership development meeting. And so uh, just by luck, none of the people that in our office that qualified for that meeting actually had a car, but I had a car. So I told them I would drive them to the meeting, which was an hour, almost an hour and a half away. And that was sort of my ticket to the meeting. 
And so I showed up at that meeting. I drove everybody. I sat down. Uh, you know, they had they had tables in the front, and and the first thing that we had to do was introduce ourselves and uh, and say how much we sold for the previous week. And uh, obviously, my number was below uh, what was required for uh, for that meeting. And and I you know I met Ryan Casey, and uh, I just saw him make a mental note and uh, sort of pen that down for later. Uh, but that was the first time that I met uh, that met Ryan Casey and his dom at the time, Sean, which was a, a really profound experience as well, just seeing the way that they operated together. And it made me think about the path for, uh, for where I could go. So, yeah, cool. Well, Austin, I love to hear that your high level of self-confidence goes all the way back to your first three demos. And also to hear that you're the humbling of your confidence goes also all the way back to your first week. Cause that, you know, life is a experience of both of those things coming our ways, particularly here in Vector, right? We have a a lot of great confidence building experiences. And then we also have a lot of things that reveal that we have a lot of opportunity for growth and learning and that uh, encourage us to to take those steps to become better. So it's cool to hear that you had a combination of that in those early days. Quite a bit, quite a bit. (laughs) Tell us about uh, Ryan Casey and just, uh, I know he's meant a lot to you and you've learned a lot from him. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you feel like you most got from working closely with him. He's just an incredible individual. And there's certainly no chance that I would be anywhere that I am today without his influence early on. I mean, really the first week that I started here, and I credit a lot of you know my success to the the key foundations that he gave me. Certainly he's the most profound, you know, non-family member I have in my life, even to this day. And that in and of itself, as I've progressed in my career here, became a lesson for me, just the impact that we can have on other people if we commit, you know, not only to the way that we show up and serve them, but the way that we expect them to show up and serve themselves and others at a higher level. And that's really where I kind of got addicted to this idea of personal transformation in my own life, but also having that in uh, in other people's and and that was a transformational experience just seeing the way he showed up for me in my life it was incredible and probably my first powerful uh realization that you know there's there's a place for me here so i ended up transferring to the seattle office after my first summer and the seattle office was about a 110 mile commute two ways between olympia and seattle so it was a, it was a fairly long commute at least two times a week. And uh, it later became five days a week as I started working with Casey. So we got a lot of time together. And the decision to go full-time with this position and go full-time really came for me that fall. So I was in school and I decided to basically leave school and decide to really make a run at at Vector full-time. And that was scary in the moment. I remember speaking to Casey about it, but it was liberating. Right. And that was that was where I realized 70% commitment is hard, 90% commitment is harder, but a hundred percent commitment is easy. And this was really the first lesson that Casey taught me when I was working with him closely was this this idea of the commitment account. You know, he called it the commitment account. The more deposits you make into your commitment account, the easier, traditionally difficult decisions as we, you know, navigate our way on the path, they become easier, right? And the mental gymnastics. It doesn't happen as much. And, uh, and so that was a huge, huge early lesson for me with, with Casey. Another really incredible thing that Casey taught me was this idea of being firm on what you want, but flexible on how you get there. And I think with most people, their operating, their MO is to adjust their life and their goals based on how it's working out. And instead of adjusting how they approach the problem, um, and that completely changed the way I approach my life. And so early on in the first couple of months, those were really the biggest things that I learned from before I started working with him five, six days a week that following year. So, yeah, Casey's just such a classic example of a great mentor, not just a leader, but a mentor. And it's what I think the essence of our vector business is, is we are a people development business. We are a business where leaders invest time and energy into the quality people that show up in their organization, the ones that start to bubble up or produce something reasonable. Uh, Once we've identified who those people are, great vector leaders get their mitts on them and invest time and energy 
in helping to develop those people to greatness and helping them go through this personal transformation that you've described. And it's it's cool as people are going to hear as we go through this conversation today, how this has come full circle with you and your core of young leaders that you are developing now that are, are growing up in the business largely because of the guidance provided by you. And, uh, you know, I feel like you were lucky to have ended up working with a leader like Ryan Casey, who could provide that for you and who would provide that for you. I think that's a, that's a very powerful part of your story that the people should hear for sure. It was ultimately the greatest thing that could have happened to my career at that point in time. Later, when I transitioned into working with him full-time as the division office manager, I was learning so much so fast. He called it drinking out of a fire hose. And he suggested I, I make a what did I learn today journal. And so one of the lessons mm. that I gleaned from him was to implement immediately to speed up my retention on the things he was teaching me. So in other words, if I wanted to learn faster and learn more effectively, I had to use that information right away. And so at the end of every day, I would stay in the office and I would write in my what did I learn today journal. And I would try to implement those lessons or have a plan to implement those lessons within two to three days. Either it was teaching to somebody else or it was doing it myself. And that was another you know, core philosophy he had was the best way to learn is to teach somebody else how to do it. And that really transformed my trajectory within the business. And I tried to really just become somebody known for implementing quickly on the knowledge that I was gaining. And you know, he'll get a laugh out of this when he listens to this, but I used to have a document called Caseyisms. And I would just write down the things that he would say and, uh, and the things that, you know, really stuck out to me, some of which still guide my business philosophy, you know, to this day, eight years later, things like how you do anything is how you do everything. And, you know, there's the right way and then there's the easy way, but only one of those is right. And just, just things like this that really stick with you and, and, uh, drive the business forward. Another really impactful thing that I think, uh, is, is helpful for anybody in any industry, whether it be Cutco or something else, is, is true understanding is shown through execution. And he would check me on this idea anytime that I was you know, arguing with him or, or sort of trying to make my case that, no, I did understand something he taught me. He would always remind me, Austin, true understanding is shown through execution. If you knew how to do it, if you truly understood it, you would be executing it well. And so I think so often in life, we negotiate with ourselves and we do the mental gymnastics of, oh, I've heard this already. Or maybe we tune out when we're hearing you know, a message or someone speak. And you have to ask yourself, do I truly understand this? Am I executing it in my own life? Because it's not just about hearing things. It's about the way that you execute and you bring them to, uh, to life. So yeah. that was huge. Great insight. I love that one. True understanding is shown through execution. And the what did I learn today journal is such an awesome idea. I just bought my eight-year-old daughter this a journal that's like a three-year time capsule. And it basically on each page, it's got each day of the year three times. So you, you, you flip through the book once and you write something every day. And there's questions every day that are centered around things like, what did I learn? Sure. They're not, it's not always the same question, but she can go through the entire book and write what she learned every day. And then she can go back to page one at the beginning of next year and write underneath what she learned on January 1st, 2023, what she learned on January 1st, 2024, and see what she learned a year earlier while she's writing it, right? And then again, go through each page and then each page has the three sections, as I said, so that after three years, she'll have this time capsule of all these experiences in life. And I I feel like it's such a cool little thing. And like, it it just, I, I just love the idea that you started doing something like that in working so closely with Ryan Casey, where you're drinking from that fire hose of information and knowledge, and you were, you know, really working hard as the division office manager to try to steer the ship there, and that uh, you were yeah. trying to make sure you got all you could out of that experience. When I was the division office manager, I mean, for almost two years, we well, for the first year, we worked day in and day out together at the office, and you know, I have so many incredible memories from those times, but. Really, what meant the most to me when I look back at my career and when I look back, you know, eight years ago, it was the time he spent with me after we left the office, you know, when we would go get tacos or something and we would talk about the day. And I came to realize that was the best thing that he could give me. It wasn't money, it wasn't experience, it was his time. That was his most valuable resource 
certainly as an entrepreneur, as he was expanding his businesses, as he was expanding his family, becoming a new father. And so that really solidified in me, the best gift that we can give people is our time and our time to develop them, our time to teach them and our, you know, our time to, to pour energy in them. So the, really the idea that the time we pour into people is going to be the thing that they appreciate most when they look back on what you did for them, that still guides my business, you know, to this day. And I would say the the last super impactful thing that I learned from him was this idea that your your success will be determined by number one, how far you can plan into the into the future and paint a vision for yourself, you know, and the people around you. And then number two, along the way, those obstacles that come up how effectively are you going to be able to to solve those things as they come up and that will really determine your success your income you know a lot of different things and so it was just he was a he was a wealth of knowledge he was an encyclopedic wealth of of business knowledge and personal transformation yeah. and it was it was a great time in my career i love that you shared about the time spent developing people investing into people because there's a kind of a fancy thing people want to find these days, which is a, you know, a, a passive income type of business. And there are businesses where you can have a passive income type of business. If you own a chain of laundromats and you hire an operator to go do all the stuff, collect all the coins and do all the stuff that has to be done, you don't have to do anything. Our business is not like that. Our business is one that requires time in developing people. And the flip side of that is that's exactly where we get so much purpose and meaning and fulfillment in what we do, right? What we do is so great because of that. So I hope that people listening can take to heart that that's one of the key things that we should be focused on is how can we spend more time with the right people, developing the right people, working on our development game versus, you know, all of the effort to try to spend less time in the business, which is what I think is not what we should be focused on. So Great stuff there, Austin. I appreciate all that stuff you shared about Casey. Yeah. So when Casey left, Chris Gehring comes in as the division manager, totally different personality, totally different leadership style, totally different skill set, I might even say. And yet they're both Hall of Fame legends in the company. What were some of the complimentary or new things you feel like you learned when Chris came up to Washington? Well, I think just even even in the the fact that they are so different, that was that was another, that was probably the next great evolution of my career, you know, thinking back because I was able to get such a master's degree in the way that Casey ran the business. And then I was able to, you know, graduate from that and really learn the way that Chris approaches the business. And Chris has an incredible podcast uh, on here, but, you know, he's one of the most prolific team builders in our company's history, really. And he really opened my eyes to the difference and the the benefits of inspiring a few people versus inspiring the many. Typically, for the first couple of years of my career, I'd kind of focused on having a smaller team and and really focusing on people. And he basically, you know, just proposed the idea that my influence could be multiplied to higher levels, and that it should be. And the belief he had in me there, and the way that he taught me how to multiply my influence, that ultimately led us to to having our best year ever in in 2020, where we just barely missed a million dollars in revenue but we ended up setting a couple you know region records with with team building and that was something i never really imagined myself in the first half of my career uh, being available to me you know and he's a master promoter just the way he promotes things and he can get in front of people and he can cast a vision for one's life and just the public speaking in general he's very very talented and it's been a journey the last 3 years learning from him and and learning this unique blend of of when to speak from the heart and when to sort of be a little bit more measured, but he's uh, he's an incredible individual to work with, and it's it's been a fun journey. Yeah, that's cool. If you look at a lot of the greats in the vector business, they have been able to combine both the bigness of building big teams and having a great recruiting operation with your number one skill set that I've seen in the development side of the business. I think about Drew Frank. I think about Dane Espigard. I think about Stacey Campbell. I look back on the 15 years that my office was in the top five, basically every single year. We were never number one in recruiting, but we were always good at recruiting. 
and certainly top 10 some years, top 20 most years. And we were great at the development side of the business as well. And that's what took things to this really epic level. And so it's cool to hear that you're seeing some of that from Chris and that uh, I can't wait to see when you, when you have both of those wheels spinning for 12 months, uh, <laughs> it's going to be freaking yeah. <laughs> even more amazing than anything you've done so far, man. Yeah. So, but it's a, definitely a, a great point. Let's talk about your skill at development because, you know, I think you're great on that side of the business for sure. And it's two faceted. It's both fast starters and creating good results right out of training. You have a lot of 10K fast starters and it's creating new Cutco sales professionals, top end sales leaders, right? You have created in particular three of those that sold a lot this year that we'll talk about later. And uh, I just want to hear, what is your mindset around development, first of all? My philosophy with development was really born out of my time working you know, with Casey. He ran one of the most prolific Cutco offices you know, this century. He did a million dollars year after year after year, you know, similar to your organization that you just spoke about. And one of the ways he did this was through a development pipeline, through his key staff program. And that was the most effective way that he could guarantee a base of business. And I remember learning about this concept of a base of business. And I started gaining more knowledge about the Cutco business and context on operation. And I became familiar with having a base of business and this concept of building it going into the new year. And that's where I returned to the philosophy of flexible on how I get there right? Or excuse me, firm on what we want, but flexible on how we get there. And my first summer, you know, we didn't have a huge team, but we had six of our leaders at the conference of champions at the end of that summer. And for me, that was this idea that I can really take something tangible from a campaign and I can take it to the next campaign. I can take it into the next year. And I think that the concept of taking something from the previous year and not going in at, you know, with nothing going in from scratch, that was such a key concept. And, you know, my first eight months, we did not hit any of the goals actually that I set out for myself. We, we did less than 150,000 in sales, but that next spring we almost doubled it. And we did that through coming into the year, not from scratch, but with those leaders that we had developed and every year after 2018, we've added a couple more layers, you know, coming into this year, into 2023. And really the most valuable things that I've learned have been through that entire process. So, yeah, I think the idea of a base of business is such a key concept. And what are you bringing into the new year that you created during the previous year? And way more important than how much sales was created in the previous year is, well, what did you build, right? What do you have right. with you right now? In the summer, I think something that's way more important than how much you know sales you make or what goal you hit is how many reps are there with you at the end of the summer, right? At our end of summer conference, right? That's Las Vegas for us here in the Western region. And you described having six people there that one year right? That was, you only launched 34 reps that summer, right? Which yeah. is not, not a big number yeah. at all, but to have six out of those stick with you and be there at the end of the summer is really a compelling result. And that turned what, what might've been viewed as a not so great summer result. You mentioned it was only 150 K for the May through December that year, but you, you had those six people yeah. that were there, yep. right? It's pretty cool just to think about that this process of what are you building from one year to the next? And obviously that's something that has really culminated in some massive results for you here this year. So pretty strong. The worst way to run a business is alone. Casey used to tell me that. And so again, going into every year, building something has been a priority year after year after year. And for me, developing other people, just development in general, it's a game of attrition. You have to win the mental game that people are playing with themselves of quit, not quit. You know, do I work here? Do I not work here? This is the, the mental game that I was playing with myself my first day, basically on the job. And so 
you have to understand that people will figure it out eventually if they stick around long enough. And so your job as the leader is to help them find ways to solve those problems and stick around long enough to the point where they do figure it out. And I'll, I'll talk about Anastasia's story in a little bit here because she's kind of the prime example of anybody can figure it out if, uh, if they stick around long enough. But I threw out this idea that I had to be really good at teaching them how to sell. And that's something that I think we focus on a lot. I need to teach them how to do their job. And I focused on the idea that I had to teach them how to be happy, more confident, more effective people. And if I could do that, then the results would follow, right? We didn't build a business. We built people and people built the business. And it won us the Silver Cup this year. And, and it's going to uh, continue paying dividends into the future. Yeah. Outstanding so. points, Austin. I, I just feel like if you can create someone who feels confident about what they're doing, that the results will eventually follow. That is somebody who you can then teach how to do really well. But if you're trying to teach something to somebody who doesn't feel confident in what you're teaching or in themselves, then they're always going to be spinning their wheels. And it, it is that, that interesting point you made that it's the people side, personal side that comes first, that eventually you build on that with the skill side. And yep. that's how you create great leaders. I think that for anybody listening who's a leader of any sort, particularly if you're a vector manager, we're constantly balancing what we might simplify as short-term strategies versus long-term strategies and how we manage people. An example I can give is I've heard of people in the past describing the idea of getting 10K fast starters in a way that made it seem like they are going to pound their reps as hard as they have to, to get somebody to 10 K for the fast start. And if somebody sells 10 K for their fast start and 12 K for their career, that's a loss. That's a huge loss, right? I'd rather have the rep sell 5 K for their fast start and end up sticking around, obviously doing 20 K, 30 K, 50 K for their career. And I think that that concept relates into promoting people into management. That concept relates into a lot of other ways that we manage people in the interest of getting short-term immediate results versus the interest of building something for the long-term. And this is one of the things I think you're great at, Austin, is that clearly you think long-term in working with your people. And that is definitely something that has benefited you a whole lot. And when it comes to thinking long-term, part of doing anything for a long time, everybody is a beginner at, at one point. So we have to we have to embrace this philosophy that we are going to be a beginner. We have to embrace the philosophy of beginnership and realize that we were at that point also, right? And so for me, anytime I'm teaching somebody to do something for the first time, whether it be me or, or helping those I work with accomplish something for the first time, is asking great questions. And I really feel questions are a major overall key to my success, the success of others, overall success in life. Because when I shifted my philosophy of asking questions from a place of, am I capable of doing this? I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have the skills required to a place of, I'm going to assume I'm capable. So what are the skills and resources required to be successful? And shifting it from a place of, am I capable to a place of resources? That's where the whole game changed. And once I could show to other people how to do that and show them how to reframe their questions to go to a default position of, of out-based questions, that's when the game changes on a, on a macro level. And your brain quickly turns belief into strategy and strategy into action. And, and you know we'll talk about that later. But getting somebody from that place of non-belief to belief has to be the first step. We have to do that before we teach them anything because humans are hardwired to not do anything, to not expend energy on anything that they do not feel they can accomplish. That's why most people wouldn't even sign up to run a marathon. They don't think they're capable of it. So the first question I ask myself when I'm working with somebody is, does this person even believe that they are capable of doing what we are talking about doing? And then if they're not, the question is, how do I get them there? Yeah. Love it. I mean, just the whole idea that belief comes before the strategy. When people have that belief, they will naturally seek out the resources, seek out the answers, and that's going to help them build and become great. Like the just really good stuff right there, Austin. I love it. I love it. I mean, you segued us into the strategy point here. Tell us about then some of the 
things that you do in developing newer reps? When it comes to newer reps, when I first opened my office, I read this really fascinating book called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. And Casey actually got me this book. And it was this idea that talent is a born thing. It's something that we can't engineer. And I decided that after reading this book, he talks about this principle that it actually can be engineered. And you can have these talent hotbeds based on the way that you go through things, the way that you present things in general. So I decided that that's something that I wanted to spend significant time getting better at. How do I create a talent hotbed in my corner of Cutco? And one of the ways that we did that was data-backed belief. So I think when working with new reps, we track a lot of data in our business. We have a wealth of reports to use. And so when I can look a rep in the eye and I can tell them, if you follow what I teach, you will sell at least 60% of your appointments. You will have an average order of you know XYZ. And I put the numbers in front of them and I show them that this is a process-based position Again, we have to get them from that place of non-belief to belief. That generally is one of the most effective ways. And very few people are hardwired to be intrigued by the idea of a first ascent. And you know, very few people want to be the first to do something. That's a small subset of society that has the, the mental fortitude to do that. So we have to reverse engineer. We have to assume that most of the people we're working with lack the belief to even try. We have to assume that most of them don't think it's possible. It's our ability to instill that in them, whether it's data promotion or whatever, but we have to instill that in them before anything starts. And so that's the first key when it comes to working with new people that has really excelled my career. Yeah. Give an example of how you've done this in your training. Yeah. So I'll give you a recent example. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had two reps in training. We were trying to finish out the year strong. And when I went through the training process, they both were good. They had big goals. They were paying attention throughout training. And you could see them kind of go from this place of nervousness to, I think I can do this. I think I can succeed. And they were both obviously interested in, in selling $10,000 in their first 10 days, which is a, is a big deal in our company. And I said to both of them, I've been a manager for six years and I've never had a rep that has completed more than 30 demos that has not sold $10,000. So the question is not, can you do it? The question is not, are you capable? The question is, are you going to put in the requisite effort? And I saw the light change in their eye where they started looking at this as a, okay, I just need to get the resources. I need to have the time and I need to block out my schedule instead of, am I capable? And I told them that the data is on their side and they both made a commitment to put in the effort instead of being outcome focused. And they both sold $10,000 in their first week with less than 30 demos. So yeah. Awesome. Love that whole idea of uh, just bringing database belief to your people in those early stages. What else do you do to help inspire new reps? So when it comes to, you know, again, inspiring new reps and working with them, so often we think if someone's lacking inspiration or lacking motivation, it's an issue of, do they know enough? Have I taught them everything that they need to know? And it's, it's largely, again, this issue of belief. So I really think that we need to stop teaching people and we need to start inspiring them, which you touch upon. And so when they get to 20,000, when they get to 30,000, when they get to higher levels in the business, that's when you can start talking tactics. But one of the ways that I've found it effective to build belief in people and, and really just inspire them is if you commit 100% to something, if you share this idea of commitment, it becomes easy. We talked about this earlier. And I, I'll just tell a story. At a recent management conference, I spoke about one of our new reps that we have. And I told her before she even completed her first full week, if you want to make a real go at this position, because she was sharing with me, I really want to work at this full time. I want to be here. I see a future for myself here. I said, I will commit 100% to you and we can get you to 10,000 by the end of the month. We can get you to these benchmarks and we can get you plugged into our events program and these other opportunities that you might have. And we can create a plan. And when I share that with most managers, they think to themselves, well, that's a lot to share with a brand new rep. That's a lot to put on the plate of someone who just started. And one of my core beliefs is if you don't share that vision with somebody, it's never going to come true. 
if you share it with them, it may come true. So we have to err on the side of sharing vision with people and creating a vision for them. And we just have to be okay with the fact that it's not always going to come true because if we don't share it, it definitely will never come true. And so I always choose the former. Yeah. Love it. Just the whole idea of sharing vision, that it's not about teaching more when reps are brand new, Yeah. right? Sometimes little nuggets that you teach are part of inspiring people because they inspire people to want to go try it. But it's not about teaching a ton of advanced techniques when people are brand new. It's making sure that we reinforce the basics, that we inspire them to work, that we build their confidence, that we make them feel good about what they're doing. These are all some of the principles I think uh, are important in working with new people for sure. Let's talk a little bit about developing top-end reps because this has obviously been the signature thing that has helped you to win this Silver Cup this year. Yeah. And we're going to talk about three reps in particular. You have Anastasia Sidorovich in your office, who has been around since 2018. She sold 350,000 plus in 2022 and is just under 900,000 for her career now. You also had Nyan Frieder and Zane Bomervath, who are both a little bit newer in the top rep game or the top rep category. And yet Nyan exploded yeah. this year with $400,000 in sales for 2022, winning a silver cup in the Rising Star CSP category. And Zane sold about $200,000 in 2022. Yep. So I would just love to hear a little bit about these three reps, how you've worked with them, what their stories are. Just give us a little bit of a rundown on Anastasia, Nyan, and Zane. Well, I'm lucky to work with them. That's the first thing that I think about. So with Anastasia, I'll start with her because she was the first person that really walked so that our, our future CSPs and FSMs could run. She started back in 2018 in the month of June. She was a sophomore in college or going into her sophomore year of college. And she came in. She was very timid. She was very quiet in her interview. She went out that first week after her training and she did seven appointments and she sold on one. So we return to this familiar story of failure, learning how to deal with it, and that being such a powerful experience that one can get from the Cutco experience. And she called me crying that Friday, and she told me that she could not do this job and that she was going to quit. And she was begging me to let her quit. She didn't quite understand that she could just quit. <laughs> um, so she was asking for permission. And uh, of course, I said no. And I told her that you can do this. You will figure this out. And we talked a little bit of tactics and strategy. And, and going the second weekend, she did three more appointments. And on those next three appointments, she sold $1,000 or more on each of those three. And her results turned around. you know, And she ended up selling 30000 that summer. And then going into the fall of 2018, that adjustment going back to school was a tough adjustment for her. And, and really why I think Anastasia is the quintessential example is she sold 30,000 that summer. And between the end of that summer and the start of the next summer, she sold less than 10,000. And that's not a lot. And she was actually working a couple other positions on top of this one. And I set a contest for her going into the next year. And you know, ultimately, she succeeded in that contest. It was something low that I knew she could achieve because I knew that if we could jumpstart that engine, if we could give it a push, that we could get it going in a way that was powerful. And, and she qualified for that contest. And in 2019, she basically was off and running. She sold 60,000 that year. And then she doubled her sales the following year. And then coming into last year, you know, she sold over 350,000, getting her, her CSP promotion officially the year she graduated college. And so she's just the quintessential example of somebody who started, didn't figure it out right away, but went through the trials and through the errors. And in 2020, she actually ran a branch office. And that was something I felt was very important to us. This is something I, I believe I learned from Drew Frank, but there's not a single top-level sales rep in our office that has not run an office. So Zane has run an office, Anastasia ran an office, and Nyan have, you know, they've all run offices. And I think that's such an important part of why they're succeeding at the level they are today. But that was Anastasia's story. She went from rep one summer to assistant manager to branch manager and then to full-time sales rep that following year. Yeah, as the region manager here, I can certainly say that Anastasia's entire story 
is by far one of the most inspirational examples we have in the Western region for any new rep to look at and be able to say, hey, I can do this. So I think that there's the, the legends we have in the Western region, the, the Deanna Scortinos of the Western region are, of course, inspirational in and of themselves. But for most new reps, they completely separate themselves from people like that and feel like, oh, I could never do that, right? But what Anastasia sure. does, I think people can say, wow, I can do this. And, and we've leveraged her as a speaker at many a Vector event to share her story and her examples with others and her lessons with others. And, uh, and she's been great. So she was your yeah. first great CSP development. And then tell us about Nyan and Zane. She was our first. So she actually, fun facts, I don't think you know that she actually hired Zane in January of 2020. So she ran Zane's interview and she texted me and said, I hired somebody taller than you. I think you're going to like him. And I was <laughs> like, well, that's not the way to start that text if you want me to like him. But I, he ended up starting. I ended up uh, liking him quite a bit. He was a great kid. He started in January of 2020. And he was interesting because that was right before this transition of going full in person to full virtual with the COVID pandemic. So Zane actually started in person for the first three months he was working. He was driving to his appointments and doing in-person appointments. And then he had to make this transition into a virtual landscape. And it was a it was a rough transition for him. You know, I think it was almost easier to just start virtual. But we learned a lot through that. And Anastasia really helped him through that process. At that point, she was already kind of selling full-time as being an assistant, also being an assistant manager. But he ended up selling 30000 between January and that summer. And then we brought him to our assistant management team. And he was one of the assistant managers that fall that really helped us drive us to our, our first $400,000 fall campaign and really helped us set those recruiting records and, and team building records. And just have an incredible year. And then Zane was actually the one who ran Nyan's interview in the fall. So it came full circle. And Nyan started in October of 2020. And so that was uh, pretty incredible, the way that happened. But Zane worked that fall. And the following year, he ran a branch with Nyan. And he's just sort of kind of chunked away and been very consistent throughout his, his career. Um, last year, obviously, being his biggest year, uh, a little over 200,000. Nice, so. nice. So they both started in 2020. They both branched yeah. in 2021. Yep. And then both of them decided to go full-time sales in 2022. Zane, yeah. 200,000 in sales, which is incredible. And then Nyan, just off the charts, $400,000 in sales in 2022. Nine actually finished, I believe, is the, the number 14 branch in the company. And one of the things that he shared with me at the end of that summer was the things that he learned over that branch summer, he has now since shared with me, were instrumental in the way that he organizes his business. And certainly, you know, the most prolific, uh, one of the most prolific performances we've ever seen from, you know, a freshman CSP, you know, he started selling full-time in June of this year, uh, just well, six months ago, basically. So it was a, it was an incredible performance. And I, I can wholeheartedly say if he did not have the experiences as an assistant manager in the fall of 2020, as a branch manager in 2021, and was not able to deal with and learn with his colleagues on how to not only drive others, but show up for people in a powerful way. I do not think he would have the results that he had this year without question. Yeah, that's cool to hear. Nice. And you leverage coaching, outside coaching with these guys. And then you also have, of course, your stalwart Joffrey Grimes, who has helped yeah. a lot with your team, right? Yeah. So I was very lucky to kind of partner up with Joffrey in 2017. Joffrey is a, a longtime sales rep of the business, and, and he really helped me understand this idea of how to develop people longer term. But early on in my office, it was, it was basically Joffrey at $3 million in sales, and then the next closest person was at 25000 or 30000 And so we had no layers. We had no examples between 25000 and $3 million. And so one of the most important things for us to develop going into my first full year was those layers so that we had examples of 
here's somebody at 10, here's somebody at 30, here's somebody at 70, here's somebody at 120. And so it wasn't just this jump from 25,000 to 3 million in, in career sales. And so over the last five years, him and I have worked very closely kind of developing this process for how do we get people through these checkpoints? How do we get them running a branch? How do we get them running these skills? And really just how do we moderate that process for the highest level success that we can? And then, you know, with our mentoring program, I realized pretty early on in my career that I was not the best person to be coaching my top sales reps. You know, it's, it's my job to teach them the fundamentals. It's my job to help them understand how to get from zero to 30 to 50,000. But beyond that, I'm in deep water, right? I, I myself have, have sold only about 80,000. And so I had to employ other people to, to help them out. And so we came up with this process and, and program of partnering with other coaches and mentors that could help them accomplish what they wanted to. And, and really the great success of my career has been making this garden and this network of people that they can benefit from that is not me specifically. And it's, it's if Austin doesn't have the answer, that's okay, because Austin knows somebody who does have the answer. And that's really been a core belief of mine is that I should not be coaching our top people, because they're trying to do something that I've never done. So I'm here for support. I'm here for accountability, but I cannot show you the way. But here's the person who can. This is somebody we trust. They can show you the way. And it's, it's worked out very well for us so far. Yeah. You've leveraged some key people in that regard who, who have been a couple of the key coaches you've leveraged. So we were, I'm very excited. Brandon Brown will be coaching Nyan in, uh, in 2023. We've worked very closely with Rob Brandt, his All-American Academy. He has an incredible program. Jonathan Schmitz was uh, an incredible CSP and coordinator in the Southwest region. And he's been really instrumental in Anastasia's previous year, selling 350. She is still coaching with him, you know, going forward. So it's really been my goal every year to meet people within the company because we have this incredible company that boasts this incredible roster of talent. How can we best introduce the people that need to be introduced so that this person gets what they need and this person can serve at the level that they want to serve at? So Great. Great. Well, shout out to those guys that have helped your team and your people to develop and grow because uh, it's wise of you to recognize that as you're developing top-end sales leaders, you won't always have all the answers um, and that it's helpful to be able to get those answers from people who have been expert top salespeople themselves uh, as Rob Brandt has, as Jonathan Schmitz has, and then obviously nobody better to help Nyan go to the next level than Brandon Brown. So uh, it's yeah. amazing, amazing. Austin, this has been uh, really cool. I mean, so many great nuggets for creating a top district team organization. What do you feel like is next for you and your team? First off, I, I can say that I've never been as excited as I am now about the business. We work with an incredible team. I'm so amazed at what they do every day, every week, every campaign. And I'm just so grateful to be you know, working with, with the people that we work with. I feel, I feel too lucky, but we're excited to do 2 million at least this year. We're excited to, uh, to join the ranks of the fantastic district performances. And I would love to do 3 million you know, within a couple of years. And it's not about the number for me. It's about what I know that number will take. You know, I thought when I first opened up, we, we did a quarter million my first spring open. And I thought to myself, oh, this is the year that we're going to do a million. And then a couple of years later in 2020, you know, I was like, this is the year we're going to do a million. And then in 2021, I'm like, this is the year that we're definitely going to do a million. And it didn't happen any of those years. And so I had a much higher level of respect for that number. And then coming into this year, we finally did it. And so it's going to require even more of me for 2 million. It's going to require even more of me for 3 million. And so it's not the number. It's about the pursuit of being the best we can be and, and having to show up in that way. And it's, it's crazy to think about all this because 100 months ago, was the day that I walked into day one of training, which to me does not seem like uh, that long ago. So, yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Well, congratulations on the amazing success and shout out to you. Shout out also Joffrey Grimes. I know really yep. cares about these things and has been a big part of what you've built. It was fortuitous that you were able to inherit Joffrey into your district. Yeah. 
team in the early days. And a big part of that was because you had worked so closely with Casey as the Dom for two full years. And then the proximity also with where Joffrey was living, that was a great move for everybody at the time and has definitely panned out well for you and for Joffrey. And to just, uh, I know Joffrey will listen to this and hey, shout out to you for the part you've played in helping to build this as well. Austin, as you look into your own future, how do you aspire to change people's lives through what you do? There's really, in my opinion, no better place to do just that than at Vector. And that's the reason I'm still here today. That's the reason I'm excited to be here the next 100 months and and probably the next 100 months after that. You know, the combination of opportunity to help people earn a significant income and develop personally in significant ways and create the habits that will get them to the life that they want, a life by design. You know, as, as you've often said, that's the room that I want to be in when, if that is my goal. And we can only do what we can do. And so I can say I want to change the world, but that's a daunting task. But realizing I can change one person's world many times over, and I get the opportunity to do that each and every year here, that really inspires me. That inspires me to, you know, to keep going. And you know, I talked about Anastasia and a lot of the leaders that we've worked with. I remember her interview four years ago. I remember who she was. I remember not looking me in the eye and begging me to quit. And yes, a couple of days ago, I, I sat down with her. She's just under 900,000. And I helped her plan her wedding, which is happening in a few months. And it's so incredible to see where she is today versus where she was just a couple of years ago. And so over the last six years, I've had those experiences. I've had the privilege to witness that kind of transformation many times. And if I can do that a few dozen more times, hopefully a lot more times when I look back on my career, whenever it ends, then I'll be proud that my aspirations came true. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll do exactly that. It's great to see just the full circle nature of this business. Somewhere Ryan Casey is sitting around listening to this and thinking, man, how all those many years, whatever, eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, that kid came into my office and here's what's happened. So it's pretty cool just uh, how this business works. And it's great to see you investing your time and energy into developing such great champions. Thanks so much for the value you've added here today. And thanks for being part of the podcast. And I'm excited to have you on the Western Region team as a pillar leader and what we can build as a region in the years to come as well, Austin. So appreciate that. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been great. That was just a masterclass on developing champions in an organization, how to build a district team. Obviously, the way Austin has done it is largely through creating a handful of really key leaders. And when you combine that strategy with a organization where recruiting is at its peak as well, I just think that that's where results can be the most combustible and uh, the most amazing things can happen. Love the sort of full circle nature of what we heard today from Austin, how it all started out for him being mentored by Ryan Casey, having that what did I learn today journal to keep track of the ideas he was learning from Ryan, the nugget Ryan taught him that true understanding is shown through execution, right? It's not just knowing something, but it's what are you doing with it? I thought that was great. And then how Austin has spent time in developing and mentoring his key handful of amazing leaders that he has in his organization, be it the three key reps that we've talked about, be it Chloe Lang, who was the first 30K shipper in the all virtual world in 2020 and has been an instrumental part of the team there in Washington, be it Ryan Thane, who ran a branch office in 2022 and is going to be one of the next great people to develop in the Washington organization in the years ahead, or many others that Austin has had a hand in working with closely. Of course, Austin learned a lot from Ryan Casey and Chris Gehring. Ryan Casey has been featured on the podcast in episode number 194. Chris Gehring has been featured on the podcast in episode number 267. I would encourage you to check those out. Last, I just want to say that what we do here in Vector is truly people development. That is the very nature of what we do. People 
development. The context of it is this sales job where they're selling this outstanding product that is super useful and is fairly priced and is somewhat easy to sell because it's so great. But that's not the real purpose of what we do. The real purpose is people development that happens through time invested with the right people, mentoring, guiding, leading, building a relationship. And that is exactly why working here is so meaningful to so many people. It's why it's such a satisfying place to make a great career because we are truly changing lives while we are here in this process of selling Cutco knives. So hope you enjoyed this today. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.